Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What say you, Richard Ellett Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious I'm not here to work with them, okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. Mr. Murdy, did you take this gun or any gun like it and blow your son's brains out on June 7th or any day any time. No, I did not. Mr. Murray, if you take a 300 blackout such as this and fire it into your wife Maggie's leg, torso, or any part of her body. No, I did not. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head causing her death? Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son anytime, ever. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch Murders Money and Mystery. I'm Ann Emerson. I'm here with our exclusive legal analyst, Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former attorney general, as well as our executive producer, Drew Tripp. And manning the boards back there is Max Harrison. He's our chief photographer at WCIV. We are here on a momentous day, on a big day, um, on this trial, Alec Murdoch, the defendant in this double murder trial, he did it. He took the stand and he is still going to be there tomorrow. So I guess what you just heard was his launch into what's going to be a, a truly historic time in this, in this trial, Charlie. Uh, Mm -hmm. For this defendant, I mean, Drew said it last night on the podcast, um, what has he got to lose? Uh, is this going to, in your opinion so far, help his cause to, um, to get a not guilty? To be determined. I think it's an open question right now. You could, you, I thought his direct examination basically went well. I would say... I don't think I've ever seen a defendant, I mean, he's a very experienced trial lawyer, has experienced prosecuting cases, he's had months and months, if not years, to think about this as to how he would present it. And so he, I, I know he wanted to make a really good impression upon this jury, so he turns his chair. He's very close to these jurors. There's a matter of, if you guesstimate, seven, eight feet tops. I mean, tops. Yeah, I mean, so he, he really is, it is a, it's a very, 
sort of cozy mm -hmm. corner of the courtroom, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's a he's big. I didn't, you know, the more I sort of examine his frame, so to speak, and very close to him, he, this is a really big person. So he turns, and you know, typically, typically in a case like this, the prosecutor would object, answer, you know, and ask and answer, ask questions and answer them. Mm -hmm. But instead, what happened here is the state let him turn to the to the jurors, and the defense did too. Well, I, I think the defense loved this, right? Personally, right. I, I just think they really thought this this was great. He's getting a chance to to tell acquaint himself with the jurors in as a friendly a manner as possible. He gets to tell the stories, and so the there was really more of a I, I looked at it as a one sided discussion where he would just turn, and there would be a question asked, but there was really long paragraphs with uh, just just off the top of his head, he would go into all sorts of topics. No objection from the state, and I think their thinking is, well, let him run with this. He's going to give some extra information, but we feel like we've got facts on our side with our cross-examination, so it doesn't really matter if he gains a little sympathy or a little bit of, uh, of uh, energy or connection with these jurors. Hmm. But it went, I, I, again, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And I, of course, you see witnesses all the time turn to jurors and explain things, but not for, what was it, three hours or so? It was a really long time, mm -hmm. and it felt very personal. You know, I've sat in that jury box before mm -hmm. because that's sort of where the media was sitting during pretrial motions mm -hmm. a lot, and I was thinking about that while I was watching these jurors. Um, they are used to having the witnesses there by at this point, but to have someone of his stature, first of all, he's mm -hmm. very tall, he's six four, mm -hmm. he kind of fills that space. Doesn't and it? and you know, to me when I was watching him, the the I watched the jurors very closely, mm -hmm. as I know you did too. Mm -hmm. While we were watching Alec, I wanted to see their expression, I wanted to see how they were feeling about it. You know, and during the defense at least I can say that there was um there was a lot of interest. Uh, I, I can't gauge whether or not it was I really like the chicken work, discussion. You catch the chicken discussion in the beginning where, it, where I think they thought that was sort of endearing. Right, the dog yes, catching and they all the laughed. And yes, he, he made I, points. He mm -hmm, made points. Mm -hmm. And also I, I thought bringing out the most damning evidence against him to explain it where he right off said I was a lot about that. Of course, that's going to create all sorts of issues on cross-examination for him because... Uh, Are you lying then or lying now or when have you? I mean, he had what three or four times, and he also apparently lied to people in in the home right away too. And so, and he explained that by being paranoid, which I thought was interesting. Well, we definitely have a clip to to mm -hmm. play to that as well, Charlie. Drew, just off the top of your head, like when you saw that Alec Murdoch was really going to get up on the stand, I think the comment before the jury was brought in was something like. Um, I, I've listened to my lawyers enough now, or there was no more I don't, discussion. No, he said, I don't, need to, I don't need to talk to them anymore. I don't need to talk to them anymore. And I think Dick's response later on, Dick Harputlian said something to the effect of, well, that was a little hurtful, but all right. <laughs> but but having said that, I mean, it was lighthearted. It wasn't meant to be serious, but that part. But the um, he was ready to go. Yeah. And I think it suits him. It suits everything we've heard about him uh, as we saw it play out throughout the day. Everything we've heard about Alec Murdoch, he put on display up there today. Did he, you get the feeling he was enjoying today? Oh, yeah. I did, too. It was kind of an eerie feeling at certain moments, even the ones that were 
one would normally be really embarrassed mm. by. He seemed to sort of enjoy Embrace the spotlight. Embrace it. Yeah. His, he, everybody has said, and we just haven't, I've never seen it in play. I've never been in a courtroom mm. with a man. I don't, I didn't know what it would be like to, to listen to him speak like that. Because we've only heard him under very traumatized times, you mm -hmm. know, investigations. True, and under pressure. Under pressure, mm -hmm. interviews and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was him just, uh, just, you know, taking his time, mm -hmm. that gift of gab, mm -hmm. all of those things that we've been told about um, really came to play. We have got a big clip um, to talk about that big lie. Is there anything you wanted to get in there before we, we went there to this clip? Well, uh, I need to... First off, because there's a couple that, I, that I'm looking forward to getting to, and I'm, I need to know more, a little bit more about which one we're about to play. But I, 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 I know the point I want to get to is the cross-exam by Creighton Waters later in the day. We got that for you, too. Okay. Well, uh, for now, I will just say unmoved is the word that I kept coming, coming to hmm. in my assessment of what I was seeing. I, I was with him, I was there for the first little while and him talking about Maggie and Paul and as it went on, he didn't hold me. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't keep me there with him. So I, I don't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know that I'm a fair, accurate barometer of what the jury is feeling or what they're experiencing. I just know that as it went on, as the day went on, even in direct exam, he didn't hold me. He didn't keep me right here with him. That's interesting. Well, the first thing I wanted to play was what they tackled at the very beginning. It's the elephant in the room. It's the big lie. It's what we've heard about. It's his 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 best friend. His um, you know everybody except for actually Buster, who I'm, I think they were worried was going to perjure himself on the stand if he did say something. I mean, just kind of looking at that now. Um, now that we know what Alex said about whose voice that was in the kennel video at 8:44 p.m. that put him right smack dab in a very close proximity to those cell phone murders. Let's go ahead and play it. Mr. Murdoch, is that you on the kennel video at 8:44 p.m. on June 7th? the night Maddie, Maggie and Paul were murdered? It is. Were you in fact at the kennels at 8.44 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner? I did lie to them. Did you lie to Agent Owen and Agent Croft on the follow-up interview on June 10th that the last time you saw Maggie and Paul was at dinner? I did lie to them. And in the interview of August 11th, did you tell Agent Owen and Agent Croft, did you lie to them t by telling them that you were not down at the kennels on that night? Yes. Alec, why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft, and Deputy Rutland about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul? As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking. Uh, and it, it could be anything that, that triggered it. It might be a look somebody gave me. It might be a reaction somebody had to something I did. Um, it might be a policeman following me in, in a car. Um, that night, June 7th, 
after finding Mags and Paul, Paul, Paul. I'm sitting in a police car with David Owen asking me about my relationship with my wife and my son. And all those things coupled together after finding them, coupled with my distrust for SLED, caused me to have paranoid thoughts. Normally, when these paranoid thoughts would hit me, I could take a deep breath real quick and just think about it, reason my way through it, and just get past it really quickly. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Wow. So, I mean, basically, he cleared up that confusion. Now he, uh, now he remembers going down to the kennel. Um, and, and what was said on cross-examination as well was that um, you said this three times. You, you know, they, they went on and on. This is the first time, this is the first time Alec Murdoch has admitted that he was not asleep taking a nap that whole time, that he had been down at the kennels at 844. What is this going to do? Well, the defense, of course, wanted to bring out the the real problem they have in this case. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a huge problem. And of course, it's just not 844. It's 844 in some seconds, right? Every second's counting here. And if you look at the time that you've got there, and he had to spend some time with the dog and the chicken, he's there in a golf cart. I think the, the, the seconds that are ticking away here, it, it gets difficult for him. But anyhow, to get back to his explanation, wow. Um, through that. I mean, paranoia, I don't trust sled, I'm an assistant solicitor riding around with a badge, and presumably, right, he's, he would be so worried about finding the killers of his son and wife that he would want to cooperate fully, do everything he could, get past his paranoia, his drug addiction, and be totally forthright, at least at some point early in the investigation. So here we are, first time that, and I thought Creighton Waters brought this out uh, in a, in a good fashion. The first time we've heard this from his mouth is as he's defending himself in this murder trial. Key moment. We'll see if the jurors go for it. Uh, personally, it's, again, it's a bridge too far for me personally, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll see how it goes in this trial. Well, and this is one question. I was wondering if you guys picked up on this too, because he said, my distrust for SLED, and he never explained why he had a distrust for SLED, but I did want to bring up the fact that his relationship from all intents and purposes was with the local law enforcement, right? Or True. county law enforcement. True. It wasn't with SLED. Um, and the fact that he knew... Um, he already, I don't know, I don't know. I just was wondering if that made any difference well, that it was SLED you know, versus, oh, you know. I don't know, Drew, what do you think? But he's an assistant solicitor in the 14th Judicial Circuit. He works with SLED, works with local law enforcement. If he distrusts SLED, could he go to the local law enforcement or go to people in the solicitor's office and say, hey, I, 
really want to be forthright about this. We got yeah, everything I, was down I can. There. I, yeah, I really was down there. We need to catch him. And, and, and of course, Craig's going to bring this out. We have to remember, he, Rogan, um, what's his last name? Gibson. Gibson said, I thought I heard you down. Row, row. Row, and he denied it. And, but the hard proof didn't come out for a year. Am I correct about that? Sure. So right. I think a more likely explanation is that he is lying today, right. that he's perjuring himself, that he uh, knew he, he didn't tell where, the, where he was because it's such incriminating evidence against him for the murder of his wife and son, as shocking as that is to comprehend for the anybody, really, even given where he is in life with uh, the financials and the drug addiction, you name it. But I must say, the um, I keep coming back to the word darkness. I mean, I know it's not admissible for that purpose. We're jumping ahead of ourselves to cross-examination, but going through that, oh, just as a practicing lawyer here in South Carolina, it's so embarrassing for our profession that one of our members did this to so many people. And I know people who practice with them have to be just cringing today hearing it in I mean, Mark Ball said people. it too, didn't mm -hmm. he? Mark Ball, his, his former partner at PMBED mm -hmm. said, um, you've torn down our legacy. Huh. You've taken away our legacy. Mm -hmm. Firm's gone. Firm's no gone. Exists. In fact, that was something that I remember hearing. Did you pick that up, Drew? Or Charlie, that was mm -hmm. the, um, he, they actually said that. He said, yeah, it was in, he said, Creighton Waters even made him repeat it. He was like, you mean the firm that you base that no longer exists because of what you did. I know. He said that, and I it was know. very powerful because he made him repeat it. I know. Y'all forgive me because I'm about to go off a little bit here, <laughs> on, okay. uh, and I'm going to rein myself in so that we're not going to go down a number of tangents. But backing up to that soundbite we just played and that whole explanation he gave, uh, I think to his point about him not trusting Sled, he blew up his own. He blew up his own comment there later when uh, Creighton Waters in redirect or cross exam, mm -hmm. again, forgive me for jumping too far ahead, but Creighton Waters in cross exam was asking him about Andy Strickland, and that's a deep cut for all those of you not from Colleton County, um, not familiar with the low country and mm -hmm. South Carolina sheriffs and all the trouble they've gotten in. When Creighton Waters was asking Andy, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, when Creighton Waters was asking Alec about his relationship with his friend, Andy Strickland, uh, the indicted and removed former sheriff of Colleton, Colleton County. Uh, Creighton tried to go into a line of questioning about the state grand jury indictments of mm -hmm. Andy Strickland. And there was an objection. He wasn't ultimately allowed to pursue it. But coming out of the, but Creighton Waters did explain he wanted to ask the question about that because he wanted to make a point about Murdoch's uh, knowledge of the state grand jury investigation into his own actions surrounding the boat crash. And Alec got on, got up there and said he couldn't remember when he first learned about the boat crash. He didn't remember if it was, or the boat crash state grand jury investigation. He couldn't remember if it was a little after the murders or a little before or a few months before. He couldn't, he couldn't remember exactly when he first found out about it. That would be, in my opinion, one of his only reasons to have an eye out for sled and a distrust for sled unless there's some other investigation we don't know about and if he can't remember if it was before or after the murders that he found out about it why would he have any reason to distrust sled the, in the first night he was talking to him 
Mm-hmm. Unless there's something else that I'm missing, uh, or unless he was conflating. It, I, again, maybe I'm looking too far into that. The other thing in that first audio clip that we played of Alex talking about that, he, uh, I don't know if any of you caught this. Hopefully you did. If you're not, go back and listen to it. We have it somewhere on our website, and you can replay it. You can rewind it. Or just on this podcast. Yeah, rewind yeah. this podcast. Yeah. He said, Paul, I mean, Paul, Paul. He said, Paul. Then he caught himself and said, I mean, Paul, Paul. And he said, Paul, 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 all the rest of the trial. And we got the cross-exam and Creighton Waters asked him, uh, do you always call Paul that? You ever called him that before in any of the uh, sworn testimonies you've given that's been recorded? I think right there proves he was clearly coached to say Paul, Paul today and Mags today. Uh, And you can look into it as far as you want to, and whether that's a, a smart strategy or not, I just think it proves when he was asked on the stand whether he'd ever been coached to say that, to Charlie, your point about perjury and not telling the truth, but that, that little that little hiccup to me, right mm-hmm. early in the testimony, Paul, I mean, Paul Paul, yeah. caught himself mm-hmm. and corrected himself and remembered to stay on message. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just stood and out to me. I have no idea what it takes to, to, to get a, a witness, a defendant who's going to do this i mean what does it take to get him prepared for this I oh mean, wow that's 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 a great question I, I have to think that there have been many many hours and hours and hours of going through how his testimony would go to have it sort of there because I, i'm assuming he told him throughout the representation that, hey, I do want to take the stand. Please keep that as an option. So mm-hmm. keep it as an option. You need to really prepare them. T- to that point, I was a little bit surprised. And, of course, I, I do think that Attorney Griffin is a terrific uh, attorney. But I was a little bit surprised if it didn't burn the day with him. Because right. Because it, it, it ended about, what, 3-ish or so? I think it was about 3.30 when he got mm-hmm. off this, mm-hmm. when Griffin was like, okay, your turn. So now Creighton Waters, has, he had yeah. a lot of hours this afternoon, and he has all... I left the courtroom, and the prosecution team was huddled up. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. So he has all tonight to think through themes for tomorrow. He knows exactly how the defendant testified. So I think he's got a tactical advantage here. Actually, a quite, really big one, because he's got the whole night. And also... This is a small point, but I thought it shows you how much he's counting on this. The defense wanted to put up a couple of short witnesses for convenience. It would cost more money, as I understood, there's some experts to keep them here perhaps over the weekend or later in the day, asked for the courtesy of them going in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the defense, the state objected, and Judge Newman supported the state. So Great wants to get after this defendant in the morning. And uh, I am confident right now they're all sitting around with their yellow pads thinking through themes and what to ask them and how to ask them. So I think we're going to see a um, highly organized, effective cross-examination tomorrow. That would be my expectation. I think we've already seen one to an extent. Yeah, and we do have uh, the the clip that, that we were talking about with cross-examination to play. I just had one more point before we got mm-hmm. to that, and that was when Creighton Waters uh, started his cross-examination. I think that is such an astute point too, Charlie, about the fact that Griffin didn't go the whole day. I was so surprised. I would have burnt it and just, just I don't there know. There was so many more Let questions. him rest up overnight and yeah, uh, and get ready. I, again, it really who kind knows? Of threw him I mean, in the fire. Uh, he, um, he had him with that jury, and he, he 
had that connection going a bit. I thought I got a little bit, maybe towards the end, a little bit. They were like, hey, I get it. Don't get so close to me. But there was so much more he could have done with, I mean, these financials were coming out. I mean, that's Judge Newman. So I wondered if maybe in hindsight they might have preferred to have gone through these individual cases and have him admit how wrong he was for mm-hmm. each one and apologize. I mean, why not apologize at that point? He's, he's basically pled guilty. That's a whole other discussion as to why they didn't have pleas to that before the trial. That's another discussion. But, right. but he's pled to everything in effect. And so you have all yes, this heart. Yes, now. <laughs> yeah, you've got these victims out there. So I think jurors are human. They would, would have liked, I think, have heard him from the heart say, I'm so dear, sorry, and harm I've caused. Well, the, the other thing I was going to tell you about Alec was that I also saw that his family was very emotional today. Um, they were playing, I mean, not playing, I'm not saying that they were playing anything, but they were, they were, they were watching him get emotional in the stand, which he did many, many times. And I know just hearing how this all went down, having to go relive this over and over again, um, it, it was very difficult oh, for yeah. that family. Oh, I must say, and I, I think that no, was very was genuine. I think they really oh, suffered absolutely. today, don't you think? I absolutely. think just being around them, you could tell they were suffering and I felt like, I mean, they were all lined up, and it was literally, it just, one would start crying, and then the one next to him would start mm-hmm. crying, and then the one down there would start crying, and then it would start all over again mm-hmm. at the top. And it just, obviously, this is so traumatic. And, and to have that stress, I could see the mm-hmm. stress on their face of having Alec up there, because it wasn't just that, it was like all the dirty laundry. It was the fact that their names kept on getting brought up all the time. I just saw how how tough that must have been so anyways i just wanted to point that out and also because we were in the courtroom so i wanted you to know what it felt mm-hmm. like and also the the jury yes they were listening I mean, at one point i think he actually you know i think at one point uh alec needed a tissue or something and one of the jurors was kind enough to it, offer it, a tissue some, box yeah, and, was, again uh, you know it's very hot not to harp on this uh, too much but i in a in a Tip to prosecutors. It's the defendant. He's not really a human. He, you're, he's defendant. You, you, you have to depersonalize him to a degree. It and felt that's very part personal. Of it, and they let him be as nice as he wanted to be to these jurors. And again, I think that's the strategy. I had to inquire yeah. just based upon my background. And I think it was a, in fact, I know it was a very conscious decision. Let him run with it. He's going to have other information out there. Fine. But we've got these facts, and we're going to hammer home these facts and just wait and see. And to your point, I did start to see it this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, two, two very quick things before we move out of the direct. Right, from, right, from this, the direct. From the uh, defense this morning. Something I caught was how locked in and sharp Alec claims to have been in the aftermath of the murders regarding GPS data. And he went on and on lengthy testimony. Oh, that's true. About that's about he he kept trying to get in touch with uh, Agent David Owen with SLED and see where they were on extracting that cell phone data and mm-hmm. the OnStar data. He because he his explanation was Alex's explanation was he knew he was a suspect mm-hmm. and he knew that that GPS data from the phones in his SUV could prove that he was, that they, to direct quote here, never crossed paths. Not that they never crossed paths, but his Maggie cell phone and his SUV never crossed paths that night. He was very specific in how he said it. And I don't know, it struck me as 
very telling of his presence of mind in the aftermath of the murders. Um, contrary to what we've um, contrary to what we've heard from testimony about people who were around him, mm-hmm. who said he didn't seem all that mm-hmm. worried about catching the murderers, and yet here he is saying he was very preoccupied with wanting to know what was going on with that data. And why was that data so important to him? I, I think it, when you take all that into consideration with him leaving his phone, mm-hmm. uncharacteristically for himself, leaving his phone there at the house, mm-hmm. I, I think, again, that speaks poorly of... Well, I think he was trying to buy into the whole defense of the sled poking holes in the sled's mm-hmm. case. Oh, because, yeah, for sure. Because basically he was saying, because they did not get Maggie's phone location data, because they didn't have that... Find my friends. He was talking about how he's always find my friends. Mm-hmm. How right. Maggie was always on this right. app, and because they didn't have that, now they now it all fell apart. Now yeah. they yeah. couldn't prove that they weren't right. together, and there and was the, nothing they right. could do. And you had the G, you had the GPS uh, argument being wiped from the phone because right. you're not using the Faraday bag. Right. I, I don't know about y'all, but I was actually very impressed with his obvious intelligence. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He's he's very smart. And he knew this case. I mean, the evidence that came out, he, he knows it cold. Well, didn't somebody say the word cunning? Yeah. Was it that well, the that's word probably cunning? a good word, too. I hate to say it, but that's probably, you know, I hate to, you know. Very sharp. To, to, I know. I to, feel the to, same to, way. To, yeah, to, to, what's the word I would use? I mean, Astute? No, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But even giving him the benefit of the doubt, you, you, you did, he, he, he appeared and I think jurors may be thinking this as well. Who knows? Predicting jurors, it's a, it's a, it's a, probably a, not a, a good speculation here. But he appeared to me to be someone who had listened to all this evidence and was tailoring his answers to the holes in the state's evidence. That had you been able to get the GPS, you could see that I never, you know, it, it proved, it proved that, so you didn't have that. He went off like a rocket on the on the shirt evidence, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And the reason you don't have my, I guess we call it the seafoam shirt, is because you just brought this up recently, and I have clothing in seven or nine locations, and it's your fault. If you told me earlier, I could have produced that shirt. So I thought if, if you can go down the path with him, and by the way, I'm getting different vibes. I think the defense feels like they're doing great. Mm-hmm. I think the state feels like they're doing great. So we'll see what these jurors think. I, that was a, there was another contradiction right there. Uh, he right before he launched into that diatribe about uh, oh yeah, the, I know this wasn't a, a an even an issue for the mm-hmm. state until we proved uh, very close to before trial that that wasn't my blood and it was never well that is in direct contradiction with what happened in August 2021 when he immediately went running back to Blanca and tried to cover his bases and it was very clearly an issue for him then. Yeah, that's uh, be, don't you think that's going to be a big theme? Mm-hmm. One, one thing I've, I've noticed with Creighton, I don't know if you. Uh, agree or not, but he is, I wouldn't use the word enjoying this, but he's not rushing through this. No. Mm-mm. And it's his moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I even saw him up there when he's, I've never done this. He was cross-examining some. I think he like took a mint or something out and started eating it at some mm-hmm. point. Do you catch that? It's like, well, he was really relaxed up there. Right? Oh yeah. He's gonna, he's, he's got a, a, a he's been orchestration of, 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 of questions he's going to go through and whether he can do it in the three or four hours, he says he can do it tomorrow. We'll, we'll have to see. I think he's full of it uh, with, with that, that timeline. Uh, let's do we just Max have something we want? He's got a clip. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry because it yeah, it yeah, speaks to the waters yeah, yeah. point. So I, I, I just a couple more things because I want to I want to keep hammering these contradictions because right. they're they're fresh of mind. Um, he talked. He broke down crying at one point. 
boohoo crying about and, and y'all if it sounds like I'm I'm not being fair or biased here a little bit I I I, I apologize. <laughs> it's a little bit hard not to. I agree. That's so much I, I'm trying to hold back as well. Because I, I, I apologize because I think I, of, I, you know that hey the state needs to prove it and let's see how how the cross examination. Go, go ahead. I feel my irritation is coming out a little bit <laughs> yeah, uh, with like, what I saw today. He breaks down crying and he says there was blood everywhere. There was just so much blood, and then he says, "Well, I only got blood on my fingertips." After he also said that he touched Maggie several times and that he was going back yeah, and forth between be Maggie and Paul, shoe, and he touched yeah. both of them. There's blood everywhere, blood, all, blood over everything, and I only got blood on my fingertips. And that explains the drop of blood on the gun and the drop of blood on the steering wheel. And then finally, the other contradiction I wanted to point out, uh, well, uh, I think, well, actually, I think I already said it with him talking about the, uh, talking about the uh, shirt and the blood spatter on the shirt. Uh, and there were a couple more in there. Um, but we've teased it long enough. Uh, we can get into the cross-exam here and what we saw in the in the cross-exam. And I, I, I specifically requested this clip. It's a, it's a long one, but it is indicative to Charlie's point of the pace uh, uh, and how comfortable Creighton Waters is up there. He's, he's here for the long haul and he's going to go as slow as he wants and he's going to control the pace and he's not because that's what Murdoch, he's a, he's a prosecutor too, right? He oh, knows yeah. what's going on. Oh, yeah. And he's lawyer trying to disrupt pace. Former, lawyer against former lawyer. It's fascinating. I think this is the right one. Forgive me if I didn't get it all in, but let's see what happens. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, let me ask you this. Of all the people on here, all these exhibits, do you have any independent <laughs> recollection of a time where you sat down and looked that person in the eye and you were lying to them and, and convincing them that everything was okay while you stole their money? Do you remember it, even one of them? I'm sure I do. Okay, well, tell us about one. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I mean, you have to show me. You have to give me. I'm asking you if you remember one time where you're sitting there in your heart looking somebody in the eye knowing you're stealing from them and you remember it. I remember stealing from people, I remember lying to people, and I remember misleading people. For me to tell you that I sat down with each one of these people. Um, I'm asking you to tell me about just one conversation, one time where you recall looking somebody in the eye and convincing them with your lies that nothing was amiss. One conversation. There were plenty of conversations where I looked people in the eye and I lied to them. There were plenty of times where I took money that I shouldn't have taken. There were plenty of times where I stole money for me to sit and tell you a specific time that I sat down with a specific document and what exactly was said. If you ask me questions, but I, I, can't, I can't remember sitting down with Dion. On a they certainly remember it, don't they, Mr. Murdoch? I don't know if they do or not, but I would assume so. But you can't tell us one time where it just sticks out in your memory, where you're like, I'm pulling a fast one right now. Oh, no. Or anything, whatever reaction you had. You oh, can't no. remember a single one? No, sir, that's not correct. I can remember a lot of times where I lied to my clients, I misled my clients, and I stole money from my clients 
in conversations. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, Take it away. clearly indicative to me of, and Creighton Waters later in that, he, he later got so fed up and frustrated that he made the joke. Why don't you just write it down and hold it up above your head instead of just keep saying, saying, because if you caught on, Murdoch repeatedly said, I stole money from my clients, I misled my clients, I lied to my clients, or some variation thereof, and that, that's how he would answer questions. And he would not deviate from that answer. Right. That's what he would that that was the coached answer that he came up with and he would not deviate from it, even to the point of. OK, well, tell, tell us a little bit more about it. OK, yeah, yeah OK, yeah, he, you're sure you're admitting you're admitting that you're doing all this, but tell us a little bit more give us some juicy details about when you were doing it and Creighton Waters kept pounding him with it. Hounding is the what I was trying to say that he kept hounding him with it mm-hmm. and he wouldn't. It, it, when it, it, he could remember enough to keep sticking to the script, but he couldn't, you know, deviate from the script to, and what it boiled down to, to me was what we saw over and over again in cross-examination from Alec Murdoch is the, I can't remember defense or I don't recall defense. Yeah. And we've been building up and building up and building up in this case. And that's where we are. Uh, yeah, and didn't you think also along those same lines, I, I just thought it was just really oh, painful to for him that he didn't admit this when Creighton Waters went down. Part of the reason that you were stealing all this money was to support this wealthy lifestyle. Yeah. And he just would not admit he had a wealthy lifestyle. Now, wow. I wasn't prominent. Haggling. Prominent. Yeah, I'm, I'm not su- successful. Haggling not over prominent. definitions. And so at what point yeah. is that off-putting to... Uh, oh, uh, when I heard the figures, I got, you know, just sort of thinking about it, but I did. I was looking at... I mean, when you went through the, the fees that he legitimately earned, mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars. And then yeah. on top of that, he would steal on top of that. So mm-hmm. Creighton made the point of how much is enough here for you. And it, it was... It never was, enough. It was, oh, it was a powerful moment, uh, I thought, for, for the state. And, and now, again, we, we've talked about this that, hey, this is not admissible to prove that he committed a murder. Mm-hmm. It's only admissible to prove that he had a motive for committing murder. And that fine line is uh, is there. And we'll see, you know, just how it all develops. And I'm sure Judge Newman's going to keep harping on that to these jurors. And I'm sure they're going to do their duty. But, boy, it's tough. It's a, yeah. tough it's, a, it's a big responsibility. I'm sure they'll do it. But when you heard all of that information, what did you think? Well, I just, I mean, it, it, it was taking me back through what we had been working on on this podcast mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. we started to learn about these indictments. Mm-hmm. And when I first started to go to the hearings with the lawyers and the clients and the victims, and I'm like, I remember those details. I remember a lot. I remember hearing about what happened. I mean, it's all in the, if he reads half as much as I think he did, I'm sure that jogged his memory mm-hmm. about what happened to Tommy Moore, who we interviewed for this podcast, you know, 
or um, what had happened to to any a number of victims of Satterfields, you know, the to Tony Satter. How does he not remember going to the funeral and saying, no, 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 I got this. I'll take care of you guys. Yeah, so and I'll do the, he's already be, had a confession of judgment on that yeah, one. Like, this would be a great question off those overs, but another possible way to have handled this case is to plight him out on all those things, take right. the sentences and show up there as a person who's got basically the rest of his life in prison. I think that might have been a, a way to get the jurors thinking, well, he's been punished for that. Let's not go down this path unnecessarily. It's admissible for motive, but they haven't done that. And to that point, uh, you were talking about this a little bit earlier with the defense or with the defensive strategy in direct exam. They could have they could have neutered, they could have defanged much of what Creighton Waters is trying to do right now if they'd have taken up the whole day and Jim Griffin had done what he largely did for most of the day, which is get ahead of it uh exhaust the witness a little bit like you leave nothing left on the all on the, the tree. bad news out there yeah directly. get it all out of the all way all and the go through news. all these it's crimes coming in just all desensitize the bad us uh, yeah to it. so it, it's not even a not a big deal and now That's he's a good question it, by not doing that so look and i want to bring this full circle to, to mm-hmm. catch on all these deals what we just talked about with this whole clip the underlying context of, the, of this is something charlie and ann talked about a lot earlier which is that Murdoch was this whole trial, he was staring right over at the jury and he was having a personal conversation with the jury while he was being cross-examined or while he was being direct examined. And even while he was in cross-examination, he was having that face-to-face conversation with the jury and Creighton Waters wanted Murdoch to recount one of those face-to-face conversations where he lied to people so that he could make that point to the jury that he just sat there and looked you in the face and sucked you in for five hours the way he's doing right now. And he did it repeatedly to people for 10 plus years and he stole their money and robbed them blind and they didn't even know it and they trusted him. That was the point Creighton Waters was trying to make about uh, about Alec Murdoch today. And mm. at the end, we got to... You that up, yeah. Uh, at the end, we got to... Jury's out of the room. Uh, Dick Harputlian tries to break up this cross-exam, which was just, I thought, absurd that he would even suggest bre- that they be given leeway to interrupt the cross-exam. It's lawyer, lawyering, defense lawyering, I guess. Uh, try anything for your client. But at the end of the day, Dick gets on his soapbox and is like, well, you know, we've been cross-examining now for however much time we haven't heard the word murder once. And... There, Judge Newman said, yeah, but it speaks to his credibility. uh, Dick called it clear character assassination. And Judge Newman countered with, no, this speaks to credibility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Other grounds. I think Max has a question for us. Max, do you have a question for us? Yeah, as um, it's probably for Charlie. Um, Do you expect, if you're a prosecution, that he tries to ID somebody else, uh, potentially? Oh, wow. Wow, great question. So the question is whether or not someone else is going to get like looked at like by the defense or by Alec. Well, he was going to throw it out there as as because it is it's coming. Some very explicit timeline questions. How this you know how do you have you're in the golf cart? You know he's going to take them down the path. It's eight forty whatever it is in seconds. He's going to go to the seconds, and so I don't. I think that's. An astute, very astute question because you've got a very clever, smart lawyer, former lawyer, 
prosecutor, why wouldn't you throw out two or three suspects? Uh, when I went back up to the house, the, the boat crashed. There's lots of people that, and mm -hmm. there could be, you know, I did, I owe drug money. There could be, I think, I think he may well do that. That would not surprise me in the least. That would be, I think, effective. I potentially. Th I, I think Eddie Smith was already yep. uh, put out there yeah. as a possible mm -hmm. suspect by mm -hmm. the defense in some pretrial hearing motions. Because right? it have You're 100% to be, right. The time he would have to have folks waiting there to assassinate his family. And they would probably would have seen him go back to the house, so they want to maybe leave him alive. There'd be some sort of theme he'd have on that as to how he escaped this, luckily, that they wanted to do, maybe make him suffer somehow. So, yes, I don't, I, 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 now that we were talking about it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. We have a, a suspect or two tomorrow wow. from the defendant. What do you think, Drew? We may get there at some point. Um, I think that's a... He's thrown some Hail Marys already, right, by testifying. Yeah. So that would not be a bad one to throw up somebody I, as a... I think that's a, a diversion a, at best. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, one interesting thing, they were like, well, how would people know where... Because they were talking about how Paul was always all over the place and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And this conversation I had earlier today was, well, have to remember, these are teenagers. Snapchat video mm -hmm. puts you in places. Um, they would, you know, they being, you know, I think they might try and use that as... Mm -hmm. You know, Paul was always online. It would be easy to track his movements mm -hmm. from that sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. if, if he starts going down the boat crash case, then you know who he's talking about within that realm of, yeah, of that age group, I right. guess. Yeah, y'all know better than I, but aren't there one or two people in the boat crash world that could could be a potential suspect he could I throw out there? So, but I think they did so much DNA analysis. They're like, I mean, and, 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 well, at least for, for the the immediate people involved but of course this online threat that's what i was getting to is that yes you've got snapchat video which you know where paul is that sort of thing but if there were all these threats that were coming into paul this is my question mm -hmm. why would you not be tracking down all those online threats so you can prove that online threats aren't going to go away necessarily are they i mean that's a weakness at his I, that explanation. was concerning like just keep on saying these threats i'm well, sure he's gonna be asked about that tomorrow by but well, where are they? Well, he's going to ask them. Yeah, well, where's, where's the record of Paul's Facebook report? messages? Why you, who, who'd you call the law enforcement with these threats? Where's his Facebook messages? Where's his screenshots? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, You know, this is 2021 a, we're talking about, not 2000. I mean, mm -hmm. people... You got into his phone. Is yeah. it on his phone? Yeah. So. It's going to be a... I mean, yeah, it's going to be you, a... You've got this experienced lawyer, cross-examined, an experienced former lawyer. So it's, it's going to be a and, moment. I, I want to back up just for a second before we leave on that. I, I don't want to insinuate in any way that Paul Murdoch wasn't getting those threats or that he was not treated unfairly in ways after the boat crash. Think what you want about the kid. Uh, have whatever op opinions as that goes. Uh, it's horrible. It was. Mallory Beach didn't deserve to die. Neither did Paul Murdoch. For what, for what happened to him, uh, and he didn't deserve for random people on the street to go around giving him death threats. And Fair enough. Uh, to that point, so I wasn't insinuating in any way that those didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, just saying kind of like the clothes, Alex clothes that the state keeps, or the defense keeps making a big point about, well, where are they? Uh, did, did they ever ask you to produce them? Have you guys ever produced them? By the way, are you wearing it? 
<laughs> I don't know what color this is, but it's a. Uh, it, I don't know what color this is, but it is a Columbia seafoam shirt. It is a Columbia shirt. It is a Columbia shirt. I'm sure from Belk's Men's Store. There you go. Not a sponsor of the podcast, though. <laughs> Not a sponsor of the Not podcast. Yet. Well, we are so grateful that you joined us tonight, mm-hmm. and we have more of the defendant's testimony tomorrow. We are going to stay with you. And we ran a little long tonight, but we had so much to talk about. We, we did. appreciate your and we time. We didn't even talk about John Grisham. That's maybe for another moment. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to bite late. my tongue. Good night. <laughs> Just hashtag John Grisham. Look it up on Twitter if you want. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.